to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Happy Monday. Um, didn't think I was going to get this episode in only because I've been working on the computer here all day doing different software things and all kinds of stuff. So I'm kind of jumping in here a little late on a Sunday to bring, bring an episode here. A lot going on, as you might expect. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to cover here was a, a positive thing, and it was something that I wanted to mention last week, and I, I, I left it out by accident, but I certainly meant to get to it. And this is one of those things, again, that a lot of people are hearing about, and a lot of people may even be a part of these, and it, and it certainly seems to be working, and, and I do like it a lot. And it's the business of parent groups or parent, parent-supported school-related groups, where, again, parents, put, uh, in particular conservative parents, are organizing against school boards. And these groups exist, and there are many of them. Jesse James, for example, in Michigan, has, uh, who was a guest last week, um, sent me an example of one in, in a particular post that he tossed my way. And then I started to see more and more videos online of, again, parent groups. And a parent will walk up to a lectern, again, in a school board meeting or even a city council meeting, and they'll say, you know, we're, we're serving you with, with legal notice. And they, again, have lawyers on their side, and they're organized 100%. So I'm certain that many individuals listening to this are well aware of that. You may be even a part of these these parent groups, so to speak. And it's a fantastic thing. And it's a fantastic thing, I think, too, that those groups maintain themselves over the course of time. So that regardless of who enters a particular school board position, that that parent group is already set to go and that hopefully that parent group again is even helping recruit particular individuals to run for school board who are knowledgeable and know what's going on. So, you know, it's the old, it's the, it, it, I, well, I, w- I would call it this, I would call it the, the new age version of, of sort of PTA meetings or, you know, parent meetings again, where parents would, would show up to the meetings within schools. And again, most schools would hold on to, uh, to to groups like that, and they would allow groups like that to exist within a school. But it, those were originally designed, again, to keep a school principal in check and to make sure that the school principal was telling the parents what was going on, in particular what was coming on down the line within a school building long before something occurred. Again, whether that be a policy or a series of books or whatever it is, but there really aren't parent groups much that I've seen over the years that exist within schools themselves. I, I, I watched a couple of them when I was a school teacher, but they mostly did fundraising activities. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that they were wasting their time, but they were kind of wasting their time. They weren't a part of checks and balances kind of kind of service. They weren't providing that kind of a service within a school. They were basically just glorified secretaries to some extent and they would collect money from fundraisers and then they would make copies and then give teachers some of these copies of these particular things um but w- these parent groups that operate now in particular behind the scenes and then they show up at a school board meeting and they put people on notice that's a fantastic thing and so i just wanted to throw that out there that i support that 100% and the longer that people are doing that and the more frequently I think that happens and that those parents organize in that way, in that way all the better. 
So there's that. A um, couple of things here. There, there's a post from now. A lot of this, you know, again is going to be jab related for for the remainder of this. But I'm also, again, seeing a lot of individuals in the public eye and a lot of videos now, more and more people organizing. And again, they're basically saying, stop sending your children to these schools. Stop sending them. We got to figure out another way. We got to, you know, we got to, we got to do something else. I think that's fantastic too. And the more that those individuals organize to do that, to take children away from these school buildings, all the better. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future with the tax money. And if more and more students are leaving the public school system, are they still going to be receiving the tax money and still have to pay taxes for a school that they're not even attending, even if they're homeschooling? Because again, unfortunately, homeschooling isn't included in any of these voucher programs or these waiver programs. Um, That's strictly allotted to religious schools for the most part. So... I just wanted to mention that as well. Uh, but, but again, the vast majority of the rest of this episode has to do with jab news because what we're starting to see now regarding the jab is not only are, again, 5- to 11-year-olds here in the next week or so going to start getting jabbed, unfortunately, but um, many of the 12- to 18-year-olds, again, are, are becoming very, very ill. And as it turns out, even athletes, both current and former, are, are becoming remarkably ill and hospitalized. Two examples. The first is Deion Sanders, the former football and baseball player. He was a massive jab proponent. He was running around telling everybody to get the jab, and now he's been hospitalized um, in serious condition, I might add. Uh, the second individual, Sergio Aguero. He's a European football player, used to play for... Manchester City in the Premier League. Now he plays for Barcelona. Uh, he collapsed on the uh, on the pitch, the field, um, just the other day with heart trouble and has been hospitalized with heart trouble. And again, he's jabbed and almost, I believe, said something like 98% or 99% of European football players are all jabbed. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but what a nightmare. So, uh, with all of that said, there's a few posts here that I wanted to read again from greatawakening.win, and this is just very, very telling. And this particular Twitter thread that I'm going to read is is really interesting because when we talk about people waking up and different forms of people waking up to the real world that we live in, there are going to be a lot of people that find out the hard way. And we know that. And there's also going to be a lot of people that, of course, never find out, even if the hard way finds them. So <clears throat> this particular post, I'm not going to say the person's name, but it's a, it's a, a mother, clearly. And uh, their first Twitter post here was on May 8th regarding this particular subject. And it says the following. It says, I'm a teacher with a few, with a few science degrees. Uh, all three of my kiddos will be vaccinated as soon as they are able. And then the next post says, uh, let's see, just a few days later, it says, my 14-year-old got his first COVID vaccine today. We are so thankful. And then a picture of him wearing a mask inside of a car uh, with uh, the jab and his jab card and all that stuff. The very next month in June, she says, quote, my son was one of the unlucky ones and he developed myocarditis after his second dose. 
He was monitored in the hospital for three days. I'm not making light of it, and I can't pretend I know what pain he felt. However, I asked him if he's still happy to be vaccinated. His answer was a resounding yes. My younger two children will also be vaccinated when eligible. I am much more fearful of the Delta variant and MIS-C, whatever that is, miscellaneous, I don't know. And then a month later in July of this year, she said, okay, I'm not an expert. As a parent, I don't think that the risk of myocarditis and its severity is being adequately conveyed. I had no idea that mild meant four days in the hospital and cardiology visits for the indefinite future. Different issue, I guess. And then that same month, just a couple of weeks later, she said the following, I have to pay for my son's hospital bill and endless cardiology follow-ups because he got post-vaccine myocarditis. That's not free. And then somebody responded to that and said, quote, COVID-19 vaccine shots are free and hospitals have to pay nurses and doctors to keep stupids alive from getting a preventable virus. Uh, and then the same month, just a day later, she said in July, Twitter is brutal. From the beginning, I have advocated for vaccination as I believe it's a way to control this pandemic. However, when I share that my son got myocarditis from his vaccine, I get blocked. I'm sorry my son's AE doesn't fit your agenda. And then, let's see, the very next day. She says this, my son's hospital bills are starting to roll in from the vaccine-induced myocarditis. This is just the first of many and only one of his consults. I imagine we owe thousands just dealing with the acute phase of myocarditis. And then she said these next two posts again on the same day. This does not account for his follow-up visits, echoes, EKGs, MRIs, stress tests, troponin levels, etc. It's very disheartening that the vaccine safety is touted to the public at every turn. And then she said this, but what about when it's not safe? Like in my son's case, those experts and officials now bear zero responsibility financially or otherwise. The burden is all on us, physical, mental, and financial. And then she said this a couple of days after that, in July still of this year, she said my son's new shirt and it says, quote, came for immunity and all I got was myocarditis and a mask. And then October 8th of this year, she said the following. I used to shame people for not getting vaccinated until my son was hospitalized with vaccine-induced myocarditis. Life has a way of humbling you. Unquote. So she learned a lot of hard lessons there, not just the vaccine being not a vaccine, but a poison. Her son, of course, has permanent heart damage now and will not recover as a result. He shortened his lifespan dramatically as a result of, of these jabs and the jabs that he took. And she learned a little lesson about censorship and how Twitter does not care what she thinks. And if she says anything against the jabs, she will get kicked off of Twitter. Not to mention, the people are even attacking her on Twitter, and she was learning that. Basically saying, hey, take it easy, I didn't know, whatever else. She's learning a lot of hard lessons the hard way. And, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know what else to add to it. I think it's remarkably unfortunate. 
that's just one case. That's just one person. There is absolutely no way that that's not happening far more often. And of course, we all, we, we all know that it is. And it's happening in the workplace as well, too. As I just mentioned with, with the athletes, for example. Here's another post I wanted to read. It says this. It says, quote, I've been, it's titled this. It says, I've been talking to people about my friend that died last week after he got the booster shot. In the body of it says this. It says, quote, one that I talk to is very good friends with people in HR in a major corporation. I'm not going to mention the name here, but it is a major corporation that is very well known. This person I talk to completely agrees with me about the vax. This person also knows of my friend that passed away. According to this person, the corporation has a problem. They were considering pushing the mandate, but as of this week, throughout the country, only 30% of their employees are vaxxed. They cannot stay in business if they push the mandate. The media is lying to us. The unvaxxed are the majority. I thought that some here would find this encouraging. Yeah, I think we are the majority too. I think they've been lying about the vax numbers for a very long time. Again, in my county, they're saying that 54% of the people are jabbed. I don't buy that for a second. I don't buy it for a minute. And that number is declining, by the way. So it's not even 54%. I mean, I just don't know of many people that are still lining up for the jab. You still hear of these stories. And I've commented on, I've commented on it you know, in the past. How on earth could a person today still get jabbed? Well, unfortunately, those people are out there, and that right there should show people how absent-minded and uh, disconnected from reality they actually are. Here, here's another post. Uh, it's titled, Mask Use at Its Finest. It says the following, Went to a wedding last night with about 200 guests, one person in the whole place wearing a mask. He was, he was mid-20s age. And throughout the entire dinner, he kept the mask on. Every time he took a bite of food, he would unloop it from one ear, take a bite, and quickly loop it back over the other ear, and did the same with every sip of beer. I would bet a thousand but Wow, this is just nuts. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Wow. It finishes up here. It says, I would bet a thousand bucks... He has been fully vaxxed with a booster, too. These people are stupid to the core, unquote. No kidding. Um, and I've, again, I've mentioned, I've mentioned this in the past, but just the inability for an individual in that situation to look around the room and see everybody not wearing a mask and yet think that they wearing one is somehow setting the positive example. Um, you know, what do, what do these people think? What are they thinking to themselves when in, in particular in that room, 200 guests about, and he's the only one wearing a mask. I mean, is he actually thinking that he's the only one that's a hundred percent safe that, you know, everybody else is just going to get ill. What is running through that head? That's the I'm not really sure I want to know what's running through his head, but, you know, that's the interesting part, and that's really remarkably disappointing that, um, that it's gotten to that point where a person like that can be in a room like that and not make the connection. So, 
certainly in the same vein, uh, in particular talking about the jabs here, there's a post here on Telegram from Dr. Mike Yeadon that I wanted to read, and it stems from an article on the expose.uk where it says percent of COVID-19 vaccine deaths were caused by just 5% of the batches that were produced. And Mike Eden sort of has a response to this. And he says the following, quote, this information about different safety profiles of different lots, quote unquote, which are batches of finished product of COVID-19 vaccine, is completely without precedent. I'm thinking about it and I don't yet have clear in mind what the envelope of plausible possible explanations are. But the bottom line is that the majority of lots were associated with good short-term safety, few hospitalizations, and death, true both for Pfizer and Moderna. But in both cases, a small number of vaccine lots are associated with incredibly high rates of adverse events, including deaths. How can this possibly happen? Drug manufacturing is performed to exacting standards of control. The active, quote-unquote, agent is made in batches. It cannot be guessed how many doses each batch makes because no one has ever made commercial-scale messenger RNA products before. But each batch of what's called drug substance, quote-unquote, is then used to formulate, fill, pack, and label various lots of finished drug product. Testing methods are developed for all of the manufacturing steps together with standards of the results to be considered acceptable. Something happened between drug substance and drug product, which resulted in a small number of finished lots for disruption, which were destined to kill huge numbers of people. Possible explanations not exhaustive. Explanation 1. Errors made in the final steps of manufacturing, which resulted in certain batches being reasonably benign and others extraordinarily deadly. I just cannot imagine the kind of mistakes which could produce such radically different critical profiles, clinical profiles. For example, poor handling during shipping and storage prior to administration to people. Problem I have with this is that such handling errors, example, allowing temperate to rise way above limits defined in stability testing usually results in drug product which doesn't work properly as it's degraded, not in drug product that's incredible, incredible, incredible dangerous. I don't know, typo maybe. Number two, at some point in manufacturing, someone or some entity actively modified what was being filled into vials. And it was this which resulted in an extreme skew of clinical safety profile. There has been so much truly awful behavior of elites that I'm simply not willing, as I would have historically, to dismiss the possibility that this has been done on purpose. What I do know is that this is a test of whether there's the slightest sign of integrity from these companies as well as the regulatory agencies, is that all use of the effective produce must immediately cease. All batches of drug substance and lots of drug product should cease. The materials should be recalled to a place of stable shortage in an intense analytical investigation initiated. Unless factors are found which adequately explain the huge differences in clinical adverse event profiles, administration to humans must not restart. 
if the manufacturers do not exhibit sufficient control of drug product, the authorization they hold from various regulatory agencies are utterly voided. Just when you thought the debacle couldn't possibly get any worse, it gets much worse. Expect to hear more about this. Meanwhile, who are in their, who in their right mind would roll up their sleeve? Question mark. Note, I have no information on the other vaccines or other territories not covered by this analysis of VAERS. Best wishes, Mike, Dr. Mike Eden. Um, there you go. And again, that comes from an expose article. And I like the expose. It's a great website, theexpose.uk. So definitely check that out if you're interested. Just a couple of more things here. Uh, first of all, wouldn't you know it, but the press secretary, Jen Psaki, has uh, apparently was fully jabbed and now tested positive for COVID and has mild symptoms. So, hmm, I thought the jabs worked. No, 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 they don't. They just don't. So um, here's here's kind of the last couple of things. First of all, you've probably noticed again too, a lot of flights being canceled. Endless uh, individuals walking away from their professions, New York City, firefighters, cops, um, individuals that work within the flight industry as well. And again, endless flights canceled as a result. And people still aren't making those connections. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating that jabbed individuals who work for news organizations are interviewing people who don't want to get jabs and are willing to lose their jobs, their livelihood, retirement, pension, the whole thing, just to avoid taking the shots. And that that right there has never happened before in the history of our country. And for a person to not again ask themselves, well, why aren't they taking it? I mean, I took it and I'm fine. What's the problem? It's because they don't know what it is and they can't say what's in it because they don't know. And again, you even heard Dr. Robin McCutcheon and I bring this up in the past when she was on last, but we were talking about Fox News. And it was just, again, the other day where one of the hosts of their morning show, Ainsley Earhart, was, was interviewing New York City firefighters who are walking away from the job because they don't want to take the jabs. Now, what's an interesting little word wordplay that you're hearing is, is that the news is twisting it to make it sound like they're against the mandates. And they're using the word mandate instead of jab. So they're saying, well, they're protesting the mandates. Just like months and months and months ago, when the French were, were storming the streets in France, in particular in Paris and in their towns and cities, and they're all protesting their tyrannical governments, what did the mainstream media say? They said, well, they're, they're, they're protesting the mandates. No, that's not what they're protesting. The mandates are small potatoes compared to what's being protested here. They're protesting the fact that government is completely tyrannical in every country, including ours, and they don't want to take their drug. They don't want to take their poison that government is pushing on people. So again, for somebody like Ainsley Earhart to actually stay, say, and I've heard her say it, is she she said and and has encouraged people to get the jabs and her exact quote was again something along the lines of so I'm paraphrasing but it was something like uh make sure you get vaccinated because you'll feel safer 
And now here she is, and she's having to interview people who know that that's a total lie. I mean, it just blows me away that that some people just are never going to make those connections. And she might someday, who knows? I'm not sure I care one way or another, but um, to be in that line of work and try to wordplay and manipulate particular things, it's just not working. It isn't working. It's backing up on all of these news stations, which of course are all corrupt and they're all they're all guilty. They're all directly involved in spreading these lies. So that's enough of the jab stuff. One last thing I wanted to mention, because again, a lot of people are voting here either this week or next um, in upcoming school board elections and city council and what have you. When you go to vote, this was a post that was made um, again on greatawakening.win and I tossed it on my Gab account. And then I've got a quick little suggestion here as to what to download. Um, in order to potentially check out the wireless connections that may exist in your voting booth. So first of all, the post says this. It says, attention all United States voters. It says, if you have voting in your state on Tuesday, please do the following. Number one, from your car or parking lot, check for available Wi-Fi networks and record these names. While waiting in line, and then it says number two, while waiting in line to vote, Check for available Wi-Fi networks again and see if there are, and see if there are any new ones. And then number three, it says in the privacy booth as you're voting, it says check for available Wi-Fi networks. Record the names of any new Wi-Fi networks. So basically take screenshots of them would be my recommendation. And then it says four, if you find any new Wi-Fi networks that do not belong, please email your county and state board of elections with the name of the Wi-Fi network. Ask them to investigate. And then it says, please repost this message far and wide. Our voting machines are not supposed to be connected to the internet. Thank you all. Now, I'm in Butler County, Ohio. Butler County, Ohio was brought up in Mike Lindell's documentaries about voting fraud and all of the fraud that took place. Why was that? Because Butler County, like most of Ohio, uses Dominion voting machines. And Dominion voting machines are hooked to the internet, regardless of what other people will tell you. That is a fact. That has been proven to be the case. That is the case. So an app that I recommend people download on their phones from the App Store, and it's 100% free, it's an app titled Bluetooth RSSI Analyzer. A-N-A-L-Y-S-E-R. Now, apparently, and again, don't quote me, but I have, I have the app and I haven't actually used it yet in a public setting. But what the app does is, is you turn on your Bluetooth and then it picks up on other Bluetooth signals in the area. So someone else's phone isn't, isn't a Bluetooth signal in the sense that your phone can hook up to their phone through, through Bluetooth. That's, that's not how it operates. It would be as if, um, there were wireless speakers in the area that, that were turned on that you could, that you could hook up to. The thing is, is that the Dominion voting machines, again, have Bluetooth on them. So if they are turned on, then the app should be able to pick up on that Bluetooth. You might be able to just try it with your phone and turn your, turn your Bluetooth on in your phone when you're inside of the voting booth or out in the parking lot, like the post said and, and whatever else. But, um, Hopefully the app does work for everybody if, if you want to give that a try. And at the exact same time, um, 
it'd be it, it would be interesting to see whether or not because again voting takes place in a lot of schools as to whether or not the schools turn off their Wi-Fi signal. Um, but again, the app is specifically designed to really pick up on Bluetooth signals. But even so, I mean, let, let's think about this from another angle. If 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 the app is is designed again to pick up Bluetooth signals. And your phone can potentially do that as well, depending on how strong the signal is and how close you are and whatever else. Um, I think one of the reasons also for checking out the Wi-Fi is that in that particular area, in particular like a school environment, for example, there would be a few Wi-Fi spots, certainly one within the school building, but out in the parking lot. Again, we don't know where the signals are going we're operating here from from an angle of not trusting the system and we have no reason to trust anything that's taking place here but we do have to be the ones to catch this at the local level i think that's my larger point is that we have to start paying attention to any anomalies that exist we have to record this information and again this this is just another angle and another strategy so it's one i recommend it's one i'm going to participate in and we'll see what ends up happening so again, take screenshots of that if you can on your phones, turn your Wi-Fi on or even your just LTE service, and then uh, make sure that your Bluetooth is on and see what signals pop up. And again, give that app a try too and, and download that, that app for free and see what it picks up. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I've got. Uh, have a great week. I'm going to be talking to some parents here, I believe, in the future regarding what's going on within their school boards in different states. Uh, might end up doing that this week. We will see. But um, I also wanted to thank my guests from last week as well. Very, very informative stuff. And with that said, have a great week, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless. <laughs>